Well, Al, at my end of the bar, enjoying a refreshing beverage, we have uh, Tracy Clark, who will be reading from Fall. Yeah, I will be reading from Fall, my latest book, and I'll start at the beginning of Chapter 1. Detective Harriet Foster stared at her son's killer. She told herself that she needed to see if he'd changed in the four years since she'd seen him last, but that wasn't it. The test was for herself. Could she look at him and despise him less? Could she be in the same room again with Terrell Willem and not feel rage and contempt and an ungodly impulse to forfeit everything she was to end him? Willem was here for a resentencing hearing. She was here to give another impact statement. Willem couldn't have appeared more disinterested as he sat sullenly in his tan prison two-piece, his paunchy body, fueled by cheap prison carbs, squeezed into the county-issued uniform, his washed-out v-neck top revealing a dingy white t-shirt underneath. Foster stood at the front of courtroom 211 at the Cook County Courthouse, her hands resting on the lectern, but Willem wouldn't look at her. Slumped at the hearing table, dull eyes focused on his feet. He was here in body only. His lawyer, a young public defender, outwardly nervous, sat beside him, fiddling with papers. Her bright green eyes, pixie cut, and rosy cheeks strangely jarring in a place like this. Willem, now twenty-two, had spent the last five years in prison for murdering her son Reg, but the look on the young man's dark face, the sneer, the vacantness of expression, told her that five years could have been fifty for all the difference they had made. No change. Terrell Willem was the same. Prison, free, here, there. He would always be this, and only this. She might have been able to bring herself to lament the loss of his potential, were it not for the fact that this waste had cost her the life of her 14-year-old son, her only child. But she was angry at more than Willem. Willem didn't amount to nothing on his own. Cognitively disadvantaged, he'd been failed by a lumbering, inefficient school system and by a mother who bore him at age 15 and hadn't a clue how to parent. Willem could barely read, had never held a job. He robbed and sold drugs and whatever else he needed to do to feed himself. His arms and neck were covered in violent tattoos that glorified death and killing and the gang to which he sold his soul. Detached from civility, devoid of remorse, Willem was a hard and nasty chaos machine with no conscience. Harry memorized his arrest record. She had learned all she could about Willem. She knew him by the sour twist of his thick, dry lips. Saw him in the false bravado that had him leaning back in his chair, his long legs spread wide under the table, as though nothing worried him as if he had no stake in what was being said or by whom. He was a child in a man's body, a child who hadn't been taught, who'd been allowed to grow as a destructive weed might, and live like a feral dog that lurched undeterred from impulse to impulse. Willem had wanted Reg's bike, so he took it, but that hadn't been enough. He had to take Reg, too. Wasn't no big thing. People die all the time, dog, so what? Gave me the bike, but he was too slow giving up them good shoes, though. It's what he had said at trial. Then he chuckled, revealing two gold teeth. Foster still heard that chuckle in her nightmares. There'd been sneers at the trial, too, and eye rolls. More blank looks. At what point during the proceedings, Willem had appeared to fall asleep and had to be nudged awake by his, as his lawyer. A bike or life, shoes or wallet, all the same to him. Harry stood with her back straight, her eyes on the killer at the table. She'd worn a black suit, her badge clipped to the belt at her waist, but hidden. Her gun, too. Both were tools of her trade, tools that defined her, marked her, steadied her hand, resentencing. That's what they were here for. Because Willem had been just 17 at the time of her son's murder, a lawyer, not pixie cut, had successfully argued that he deserved a break on his sentence of 99 years and a day, no parole. 
Willem's side was trying to whittle his punishment down to 75 years with parole on the table. Foster was here to stand for Reg. Willem was damaged goods, lost half a lifetime ago to abuse, neglect, and depravity, and she wanted to serve, wanted him to serve every minute of those 99 years, even the day tacked on behind it. She wanted Willem to die in prison on bad days, and there were many. She dreamed of being there when he did. She glanced around the old courtroom, its dark wood and brass fixtures hearkening back to a foregone era, when Al Capone or one of his associates might have strutted along the marble floors on their way to the witness stand. The room felt close and hot as heat hissed out of the heavy vents. The old school building's answer to the February chill outside the heavy leaded windows. Harriet had been here a million times or more testifying in cases, doing her job, locking up killers like Terrell Willem. But what happened next in the rooms like this wasn't up to her. There were always lawyers and judges, always Willems. She scanned the room, glancing over the handful of observers that included her ex-husband in the first row, and Willems' mother and two sisters across the aisle in the back, as if they'd chosen the farthest point to sit for fear of recrimination. Willems' family looked just as hard, just as broken as he was, she thought. The meanness, the misplaced defiance, the confusion on their faces, an explanation for Terrell, but not an excuse. The room smelled of sweat and furnace and oiled leather from her holster and Ron's and the guards who'd brought Terrell in. She wasn't naive. She knew abuse was generational. She knew poverty and race played a part and the lack of opportunity made up for the rest of it. That crime and gangs became the reality when there was nothing to counterbalance them. And that boys like Willem almost never made it past thirty. She knew all this because she was charged with fixing it, or at least arresting it. She turned back to Willem having memorized every line on his face from before. His was the last face her son had seen, and knowing that made it difficult for her to sleep. Willem could have taken the bite, the shoes. He didn't have to take Reg, but he did. He did because Reg meant nothing, because life held no great value, because imprisoned or free, 99 years or 75 was all the same. When you're ready, Miss Foster, Judge Seresti said gently. He didn't have to identify her as a cop. Everyone knew it, but she wasn't here in that capacity. She was here as the mother of a murdered son. She pulled her eyes away from Willem and stared at the statement she'd written. The edges of the single sheet of paper curled and damp with her sweat. These were her reasons for wanting Willem to say stay where he was. Ninety-nine years felt like justice. Seventy-five felt like compromise. Tracy, that was great. Very interesting. And as I'm listening, I'm saying to myself, you presented some depth of characters there. What was your inspiration for them? Well, I wanted to start this book out uh, with Harriet... Uh, beneath the badge. I mean, she's a cop and she's working in the mean streets of Chicago, but she's also got that other half of her, the, the wounded part. And I wanted to start the book off there. This is not Harriet the cop. This is Harriet the mom grieving. Uh, this Harriet the mom who is filled with guilt and a sense of responsibility and loss. And so that's where uh, we start the book. Uh, and then I, I sort of dump a body somewhere and she has to go to work. But that's where she is uh, emotionally and as a person. Well, it definitely comes out in, in what you read. So I think everybody should read it because you grabbed me. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much.